My first week uh, on the job, we had a prayer gathering, uh, like we do uh, once a month, every third Thursday, and actually this Thursday we've got one, we'd love for you to, to join us there. And we just kind of scattered around the building to go pray. And I remember I literally had been pastor for like three or four days. And I remember just being in that moment and reflecting back to 1992 and how somebody started this. <laughs> I, I remember looking at this incredible facility and feeling um, the, uh, the history kind of in my bones. Here I was lead pastor of this incredible place. And in 1992, somebody started it. I knew who that somebody was. I knew the blood, the sweat, and the tears that put, that were put into founding this incredible place. It was Dr. Bill Elder and his wife, Linda. Bill had already been in ministry for well over 20 years. He had been a pastor and a professor he wrote Sunday school curriculum. Um, if you went to church in the 80s in a Baptist church, you probably read some of his Sunday school lessons. He had been in, already had a huge influence. But he felt a stirring, a call in his heart to reach people that the church had not traditionally reached. And his wife Linda felt that same calling, that same stirring to start a brand new church. Now, the truth is, Birmingham didn't need another church. There are plenty of churches in Birmingham. But what they did need was a movement that was going to reach unchurched and unreached people. What they did need is a place where everyone could belong and people that had not grown up in church or had turned their back away from church could find Jesus. It needed a different kind of place. So at 49 years old, Bill Elder resigned as the pastor of a church, a church with a building, with insurance, salary, a retirement package, a choir, a staff, an administrative assistant, and all of that that comes with it. He left all of that to follow God's call to start a brand new church. And that kind of courage still astonishes and inspires me. I do not take for granted that I stand on the shoulders of giants who have come before me. Bill and Linda gathered with 10 or 12 people in their living room. And the ministry that you and I enjoy every single week or that has changed our lives or is changing our lives, the ministry that is shaping our families the ministry that maybe we walked into today for the very first time. It was born with those people in that living room, with a man, his family, the gospel, and a dream. So why, why did you feel called to start Mountaintop? And I, I was passionate, very passionate about was, I mean, how do you get the good news of the gospel to people who are, have missed it a while? And mm -hmm. 
I was open to, to the command as it came. And God was working on my heart to say, let's, let's go. And uh, we started as they did in the New Testament church, in a house church, this house. Right, right here. So here it is. This is the birthplace of Mount. This is it. This room. This is it. And in the midst of that, I looked over at my wife and tears rolling down her face and mine. And I grabbed her hand and I said, I think we know, don't we, what we want to do? And the answer came to me that it's time to build a church that risked itself to reach folks who are not used to going to church. And in that experience, I saw what could happen when the church took seriously the Great Commission and, and we're, not, we're selfless enough to say, this isn't about us, this is about them. I'm Nora Gilchrist and I was blessed to be with our church from the very beginning. So I was receptive as I was hearing his vision for how we might change some methods. Not the message, the message would be solid, but some methods in order to reach the unreached. And so we made a covenant with the congregation early on. We would say, look, our job is to communicate the message once people come. Your job is to invite people to come. We were trying to bring people who were unchurched, who had been unreached. So we, we would change to do whatever was necessary to reach those people. And it has been a miracle journey, every step, every step. I, I've never seen such things. It took my breath away. Yeah. And it has been a ride like I could never have imagined because we have a more than God. Don't miss how revolutionary that was in 1992. In 1992, there was no North Point. There was no Life Church. There was no Elevation Church. There was no Mike Todd. There was no Judd Wilhite or Judah Smith. There were big denominational churches, and there was just a way you did church, right? The pastor wore a tie or a robe, and you had a choir and a piano and an organ, and that's how you did church. And Bill Elder changed all of that for the sake of reaching people who would never walk in the doors of a steeple and a choir and a sport coat and tie. There was a reason that we, that we did that. It, it, so I, don't ever, I just don't want us to ever forget something about our founding, our history, our heritage. And that is this. Innovation is running through our mountaintop veins. So when we try new things, when we take new steps, when we take risk for the kingdom, we are just being who we are. How dare we play it safe when a man quit his job with a teenager in the home to start what we're a part of? 
How dare we fear what might happen or what could happen when the courage it took for those 10 or 12 people to start something that we're a part of. Innovation is running through our veins. It is a part of who we are. We were the very first contemporary church in the state of Alabama. The very first church with screens, with guitars, with a band. We thought we would maybe go old school today and use a projector, overhead projector to do the slides. <laughs> I mean, it is like Gen X Sunday. The Gen X, I mean, me and Ben are like in full Gen X mode up there with those songs. But uh, today, so we're celebrating 92 through 99 and that season of the church. But it's not just about celebrating that. It's about seeing how that story, Pastor Bill's story, parallels with a story in Scripture. And I believe... Bill's story and this story we're going to look at can inspire us for the next 30 years. Because I say it all the time and I believe it with all my heart. God is just getting started. So Zerubbabel, maybe someone you've never heard of, was a lot like Pastor Bill. He was called to start something. After all, somebody has to start it. And Zerubbabel was called to start something. The prophet Zechariah tells his story. Zechariah was a prophet alongside the prophet Haggai, who were part of a remnant who first made its way back to Jerusalem after 70 years of exile in Babylon. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. So Haggai and Zechariah are two of the prophets that kind of help lead this charge and tell the story of what is happening with about 42,000 Israelites in 538 BC. He's, he's what we call a minor prophet. And the reason we call them minors is their books are a lot shorter. We call the major prophets, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and their books are really long. Isaiah is 66 chapters long. And a lot of these minor prophets, Amos, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Obadiah, they just have really short books. Some of them are only a couple of pages in, in the Old Testament. So he was one of the minor stories, and really his major role was to tell Zerubbabel's story. The best way to describe Zerubbabel is that he was governor of Judea. Well, what was left of it? There wasn't much left of Judea because King Nebuchadnezzar, the evil king of Babylon, and the Babylonian army had ransacked Jerusalem. They had destroyed the city, they had torn down the temple, and they had taken some of the best and brightest Israelites and literally exiled them in captivity to live in Babylon. You want to destroy a nation? Well, destroy its infrastructure, destroy its monuments, and take its best and brightest and actually hold them in captivity away from their home for two generations. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did and Babylon did. Jerusalem had been torn apart by the world's mightiest military force. But eventually, after 70 years, Babylon itself fell, as all great kingdoms eventually do. The Persians defeated Babylon, so now King Cyrus of Persia was now kind of in uh, rulership over this province, Israel and Judea, and all over these exiles. He was much more sympathetic 
to the Israelites. So he allowed Zerubbabel to return back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding the city. But it was hardly a rebuild. They were starting from scratch. They were starting over. Zerubbabel had his hands full. He was a descendant of David, so he was a natural leader to be governor over Judea because they wanted a descendant of David on the throne. And God gave him, along with the high priest Joshua, this call and this, uh, this, this vision to rebuild the temple. Can you, so can you just imagine? Can, can you imagine where do you start to build a city? Where do you even start? Can you have a, where do you start to have a vision to start over with an entire nation? Can you imagine picking up that first stone? Picking up that first stone. Can you imagine digging that first hole? And in your mind, a grand temple is going to be there one day. A grand wall around the city. A a, a town is going to be there. It's going to be a place of commerce. Can you imagine the first stone and the first hole? Can you imagine After spending your whole life pastoring churches that have buildings and budgets and you get to stand behind a nice fancy pulpit every Sunday and you have a choir behind you every Sunday, can you imagine then standing in your living room with about a dozen people? Can you imagine the echoes of an organ and a 30 or 40 person choir in your memory and singing with 10 or 12 people? in your living room. Maybe you sang awesome God and it sure didn't feel awesome. Starting always feels small. Starting always feels small. And one of the lies of the devil is that it will always stay small. In fact, one of the things the enemy loves to tell us is that if you're not an overnight success, you're a failure. The enemy loves to tell you, see that you're not going to make it, just quit. It's so small. You're not making a dent. You're not making a difference. You're not going to amount to anything. Starting always seems small. No one starts big. But the Lord gives Zechariah in this small start a word for Zerubbabel. This is what he says. And we're in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Zechariah says. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then, then, God speaks through Zechariah, then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Then you will know when it's all said and done, when you, see, when you see Zerubbabel, right now he's laying the first stone, but one day he's going to lay the, the last stone. And when that happens, you can rejoice. You, I can promise you, if you will just be faithful in the start, I can promise you, if you will just put one foot in front of the other, I can promise you, if you will just put that first stone on, then just see what I will do in you and through you and because of you. God's promise from Zechariah to Zerubbabel is simply, if God starts it, God will finish it. If God starts it, God will finish it. If God is in it, you can't stop it. 
You can't stop it, is what Zechariah is saying. Now, just because God is in it doesn't mean it looks all bright and shiny right from the start. Zerubbabel had a vision for what this temple was going to look like, what the city would be like. But it sure seemed small with that first stone in his hand. I think Pastor Bill had a vision. In fact, I still have some things in my desk that you've probably never seen. <laughs> oh man, he had a vision. But I bet it's, it sure seems small in that living room with 10 or 12 folks. Well, some of the story of Mountaintop is that it didn't stay small for long. It didn't stay in that living room for long. A generous donor bought a building right near the Publix on 31 in Vestavia. Uh, that, uh, that soon after, after a few weeks and months they would move into, it, 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 it sat about 125 people, and I love this, I love this. Pastor Bill told me once when he drove me by that building to kind of show me the story and was telling me the story of Mountaintop, he said, Carter, I just thought if we could ever fill that up with 125 people, that'd just be fantastic. <laughs> right? That'd just be fantastic. Like, but God, that didn't last long because God was moving. Because Pastor Bill and Linda had started it. And sooner or later, they built their very first own building, a metal building that uh, you saw some pictures in the video uh, that's what it looked like on the inside uh, when it was kind of fresh and ready. And then uh, we found an old newspaper article that, that showed some people worshiping uh, in, there, in that first building. There's Pastor Bill right there on, on the front row. Uh, that metal building is affectionately called the tire store around here. Now here's a funny story. It was never a tire store. It was just a big metal building, but someone mentioned when they built it, well, it doesn't look like a church. It looks like a tire store, and it just stuck. So if you meet a mountaintopper and they say, um, I started coming in the tire store, you know they've been around a minute because these, this period, this, this era of the tire store was, was in the 90s. Uh, it, it's a reminder that if God starts it, God will finish it. And I want to tell you something. I believe God is just getting started. So one of the problems that Zerubbabel ran into is that some people had some memories of what once was. Sure, it had been 70 years, but there were, there were people who had heard stories of the great temple. There were perhaps some people who were kids and they remembered the city of Jerusalem. And when they went back and they saw the rubble, they thought, well, it'll, we'll never get there. We'll never get there. And I, I can't imagine. I love Bill's story, but I love Nora's story just the same. And I think, of, I think of Nora that you've met in that video, and I think of the faithful pioneers who had memories of what church was supposed to look like and, and memories of having classrooms and facilities, and now they were a part of something that seemed so small because reality had set in, and it was hard, it was difficult, it was small, because starting always feels small. It always feels small, even when you're fired up and you're gung-ho and you've, you've got this. And that's why I love this message that God gives to Zerubbabel 
from Zechariah. He says, remember, listen, if you'll just start it, I'm going to finish it. One day you're going to see you got the, the, the first stone now. You've got the cornerstone, but one day you're going to have the capstone, and you're going to rejoice in the Lord. And, and I know right now it doesn't feel like that day is ever going to come. Right now it doesn't feel like that day is ever going to come. And I can't imagine that Pastor Bill and those people ever imagined that a day like today would come, that you drive up to this incredible facility, that you would see the impact of what happened at a place like VBS with 250 kids. And I love what this message says. Listen to what Zechariah says. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, don't be ashamed of these small beginnings. Who dares look at what is starting and it's small and it's not quite there yet and says, you know, you'll never amount to anything. Who dares despise the day of small things? I don't want you to worry about what will happen with it. I don't want you to worry about how it will grow. I don't want you to worry about how I'll finish it. Zerubbabel, I just want you to start. Don't despise the day of small things. One day you're going to look back and you're going to have the capstone in your hand and you're going to think back to when you had the cornerstone in your hand and you're going to put the final stone on the temple and you're going to be proud, not what I built through you. You're going to be proud of what I built in you, Zerubbabel, for just trusting me, for just trusting me. If you will just do one thing, Zerubbabel, if you will just start... If you will just start, if you will just take the first faithful step, it's God's job to call us to a vision, to see that it becomes what he wants it to become, but it's our job to just start. And the beauty is when we step out in faith, we get to be a part of his story. Simply this, this is what God's telling Zechariah and Zerubbabel. When we start what God put in our heart, we get to play our part. When we start what God put in our heart, then we get to play our part. We get to be a part of his story. And we miss out on our part when we refuse to take the first step. And I don't want you to miss out on the part that God has for you to play in his story. I don't want to miss out on the part that God has for me to play in his story. It's a greater story than we could ever write. But we have to do our part. Let me say this another way. We get to do our part if we will just start. Now, there is no promise of how long it will take for God to fulfill his destiny in what we start. You know how long it took Zerubbabel to finish the foundation? Two years. It took him two years just to finish the foundation. You're like, okay, now we're good. Everything's square, right? Everything's good. Everything's level. We're ready to go. And then Persia pulls out support for 17 years. They have no financial backing. They have no community support. They have no military protection. And for 17 years, the foundation lies dormant. Finally, Zerubbabel gets the green light again to start building, and it takes him another four years to finish the completion of the temple. It took 23 years. 
Is it okay if God calls you to start something and it takes 23 years for him to finish it in you? What if it takes 30? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but some of you have come to Mountaintop in the last year, the last 12 months, and God's begun doing uh, something in your life, has begun moving in your hearts, begin changing you. I want you to know something. It took God 30 years to fulfill his vision and bill in your life. It took 30 years. Aren't you glad Pastor Bill started? These are some baptisms of the last six to 12 months here at Mountaintop. Most of them have no clue who Bill and Linda Elder are. They have no clue. But Bill is a part of their story. Ten people in a living room are part of their story. Aren't you glad? Aren't we glad that those people gathered in that living room with 10 or 12 and it felt small, so small? Aren't you glad they didn't despise the day of small things? What if, what if when they first started and not many people showed up as they thought would show up and it was harder to gather people than they could and they didn't have as much money, what if they'd have just quit? What if they'd have just said, oh, we hate it because it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's so small? What if they had just stopped? One of them in this picture is my son. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that faithful men and women didn't despise the day of small things and just took their next faithful step to start something and let God finish it. So it begs a question for me, for us. What will we start? What cornerstone will we lay? This series is looking back on our past our 30 years, but I believe that it is our job to leverage that legacy, leverage that heritage to look forward because I think God is just getting started. I believe God, I believe God can reach 10,000 people through Mountaintop Church in this city. We need 100 churches in Birmingham to reach 10,000 people if we're going to make a dent in our population. And next week, we're going to begin laying out some vision of what we believe that that will take. And I want to tell you something. We've got to lean into the innovation running through our veins. We're going to need to make some changes to our facility if we're going to reach more people. I'm going to be honest with you. I need your help to do it. We're going to have to all sacrifice together to give to a vision and a mission to do something incredible in our community. But I, I just want to tell you something. We don't, we don't need to just start a building project. We need new volunteers to start serving in ministry. We need new disciples to start uh, giving their time, talents, and treasure. We need new small groups to start in neighborhoods. 
We need new lives to start changing. We need new invitations to start happening around the water cooler and around the office. We need new partnerships to start with new churches. We're starting a brand new college ministry fully launched in August and a brand new fifth and sixth grade ministry. And we need new volunteers to start serving so we can start making a new difference in the lives of fifth and sixth graders and college students. We've got a lot to start. What will we start? Because I want to tell you something. I want to be a part of someone's story in 2052. Man, the way I look back at those men and women in that living room 30 years ago, I want to be that for somebody else. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. I, listen, I'm going to be retired by then, but I hope I'm, I'll be 75. I'm still going to be around. But I want to be a part of God's story because when we start what God put in our heart, we get to play our part. And right now, your gift, your serving, your little Bible study, you're like, Carter, it's so small. God is not asking you to do anything other than what he's asking you to do. What he's asking is, would you have the heart of Zerubbabel? And would you have the heart of Bill and Linda Elder? And whatever he's calling you to do to make a dent in our city for the kingdom, would you just start we're going to close um, we've been we got another 90 song we're going to do in just a minute but we, we want to teach you a song that's going to kind of be a theme song in this series and it's not old it's, it's new and I love what it says at the very first line it says we pray for revival and we start on our knees so for our church for, for our ministry that's where we start so I just want to invite you to sing this, this chorus and, and this. We're just going to do just a bit of it today to begin learning it. Uh, if you want to come down and start on your knees, you can do that. If you can get in the aisle and start on your knees. If you're at home watching online, you want to get by your couch or your, your chair there, you can start on your knees. But we're just going to start by praying for God to move in us to change our city. Let's stand and sing. We pray for revival. We start on our knees Spirit of God pour out on us Whatever it looks like Wherever you lead Spirit of God pour out on us Spirit of God pour out on us
And for Zerubbabel to rebuild a temple that had been torn down, to rebuild a city that had been destroyed, it looked like a mountain. But the good news is that we serve the mountain mover. Listen to what the prophet Zechariah spoke over Zerubbabel as he held the cornerstone, the first stone of hundreds of thousands of stones that would need to be laid. Listen to what he said. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And listen to this. Where are you? What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring the capstone to shouts of God. Bless it. God, bless it. And so in this mountain before us, as we try to reach thousands of people in our city who don't know God, who are angry of God, who don't care about God, but who are hurting and broken and lost and searching and seeking, we say, God, be the mountain mover be the God of the mountaintop, Lord. And we pray that those mountains would tremble in your presence and you make it a plain. So let's worship the Lord this morning as we sing, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? <laughs> 